1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Anyway, look, we could talk Thunderbirds all day, but it's time now to uh, call the the West Island uh, with Pete Fairburn. Pete, are you there, mate? I'm there. I feel
0: like a bit of a... uh a third wheel as you guys talk about Thunderbirds but no always great to uh, to be on the show I didn't realize Thunderbirds had only just landed in New Zealand we had it over <laughs> of course in Australia uh, we've had it for, for decades but good of you guys to catch
1: up yeah you know what it's like over here mate you know we're just we're just getting microwave ovens it's been a long time but we're, we're getting there look I knew you, look to be fair Pete <laughs> I knew I knew you'd be pretty uh, not not full but you'd be, you'd be flying high at the moment especially with the uh, the Commonwealth Games and, and Australia just I mean, you got—we've got off to a great start, but you guys are on absolute fire. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, we're going okay. We're going okay. I mean, the, the time zone's not as as friendly as it was for the Tokyo Olympics, and and look, it's um, it is it is Olympics light, but there's been plenty of fantastic performances to uh, to take in. We're looking really good in the pool. Um, but the one I enjoyed the most was, was obviously the, the women's rugby sevens this morning. Getting up at five thirty and had my little two and a half year old boy who didn't realise that. Um, in his words, ladies played rugby, so he thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, but having had the ability to, or, or the good fortune, I should say, to get to know a number of those Australian women's sevens players over the journey, and it, it has been a journey because for a lot of them, they were around in 2015 when the Aussie team won the World Series for the first time, and then followed up with gold in Rio and. And since then, there was the disappointment in 2018 in the Com Games going down to New Zealand in the final yes. in extra time. The, the Blackburns dominant for the World Series quite some time. Tokyo, the Aussie girls, you know, really, really disappointing. They're losing the, the quarterfinal to Fiji in a major upset. And mm. They've come back this year, won the World Series for the first time in, in four seasons. And yes, New Zealand didn't play a full series, but... Uh, to vanquish our our Kiwi sisters um, in the semi-final in in another cracking encounter. Gee, they're good to watch when Australia and New Zealand go toe-to-toe in in women's sevens. um, And then put forward a really professional performance against the Fijians. In the
1: final, that was one that got me pretty excited. Oh, look, uh, and understandable. I mean, obviously over here, our family is a little bit different because we love the the women's sevens team over here has loved. They've got a great culture. They carry themselves so well. And also they have been so successful that a lot of us here, maybe we got complacent. We just thought, I know I did, I thought, well, they'll make the final and whoever they play, they'll probably win. But like you say, the the build-up for the Black Ferns hasn't been, it's been okay. Uh, but it sounds like this Aussie team has been building for a while. And so you weren't too surprised that they made the final, Pete?
0: No, look, I expected them to make the final. Um, and then they went and lost the pool game to Fiji and threw a spanner in the works, which meant they had to face the Black Ferns in the semi. And mm. from there, um, you know, not only do I think that was going to be a huge, huge task to beat the Black Ferns in the semi, but to then get up again in the final, you know, we, we, it's a like the, the 2019 men's rugby world cup when we saw the English were so good against the All Blacks and then they had nothing left in the tank against the Springboks the following week. There was a bit of a worry from my end that um, having already lost to the Fijians in that quarterfinal in in, in uh, Tokyo, then yeah. losing to the Fijians in the pool stages here, um, even if we were able to get up against the Black that you know what type of, of um, emotional damage would that have done and how spent would they be physically heading into the final? But it was a really sharp performance in the final, and uh, you know a couple of early tries to really take the edge off, and from there, yeah, you know, really they coasted through. But there's huge respect for the Black Ferns over here as well within the rugby community. We love the way that um, there's genuine companionship between the All yes. 7s girls and the Black Ferns. It's, it's very different to a a Bledisloe style rivalry. There's there's really universal respect and, and two teams who continue to push each other to go um, you know better and better and stronger and stronger. Um, mm. So we got the jockeys this time, but there's a, a Rugby Sevens World Cup um, still to come over in Cape Town in not too long. And, and then, of course, another Olympic Games only two years ago. So that rivalry will only continue to grow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, one of the big talking points here, and it's, <laughs> you normally wouldn't say this, but it's Portia Woodman's hair. Um you know, she's admitted herself she she should have tied it up. I think we all could have agreed with that. But that was such a bizarre moment, wasn't it?
0: It was, and it yeah, we've see, you see that every now and then in rugby sevens or, or you know any contact sport that the females playing. NRLW, we've seen it as well. AFLW, I think I've seen it as well. So mm. it was bizarre. Um, look, I don't think it was it was the difference at the end of the day. Um, you know whether. Whether Australia got the yellow card or not, I think the right team got through. But mm. I was thinking about it today. I, I just, I reckon in rugby sevens, I, I really do still think that there's a real missed opportunity at a global level um, to make the most of what a wonderful sport rugby sevens is. And you yep. look at it yep. at a Commonwealth Games or at an Olympic Games. There's no major differentiation between those tournaments and the, the World Seven series. Mm. A lot of us follow, mm. um, but but probably aren't considered mainstream sports. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple of things to ponder here. Right. Oh, I love, I love one, a ponder. But, yes. Okay, right. We've got true gender equality in a sport, not a sport chasing gender equality, one that already has it. Number two, yep. we've already got full-time professional athletes in multiple countries. Number three, it's an Olympic sport, so it's already played on the biggest stage in the world. Mm. Number four, most importantly, um, this is a sport that is snackable content. It's what the young generation wants. They yes. want to be able to consume everything in 20 minutes. You know, yep. they, they watch movies on 1.5 speed. They listen to podcasts on two times speed because they couldn't <laughs> dare give up 40 minutes in their day. <laughs> We've got this epic end-to-end thrilling contest that only takes 20 minutes for a game. I feel like someone's missed a trick somewhere out there. And I, I wonder whether, you know, Silver Lake and T V C and all these big private equity businesses investing so much in sport. Wouldn't you love someone to buy... or or to set up a a rugby sevens, maybe a franchise-based tournament. You could have boys' teams, girls' teams. You could have, uh, you know, a a Portia Woodman playing alongside Charlotte Catholic for a team based out of, of Singapore. Wouldn't it be unbelievable? Oh, I reckon there's
1: something in it. I, I totally agree with you, Peter. I think that would be fantastic. It is it's a growth game and to me sevens is sevens is more of a world game than fifteens is. You know, sevens is everywhere and there's level you know, there, there's more teams can win it. You know, Kenya, America, you know, Canada, there's all these different teams. And like you say, it's snackable content, short, easy, fast, very watchable. Um we need to get some we need to get the right people involved, Pete. We've got to find the money men to come on board. Do you know any?
0: Uh, no, I'm probably not the guy, but maybe some of your listeners could help us put together a, you know, a preferred tournament model or something like that. I love your point. It's played everywhere. It's played in every continent. Um, yeah. You only need you only need seven people on the field and, and a rugby ball. So um, yeah, I'm sure someone smarter than us is, is probably already five <laughs> steps ahead of us. I certainly hope so, because I'd love to see, um, and especially here in Australia, you know, mm. these athletes, um, you know, they're, they're being chased hard by the NRLW, by the AFLW, yes. the Levi sisters. Um, who, who play for Australia, Madison and Tegan Levi, have both already played in the AFLW competition for the Gold Coast Funds And we've got a number of players who who played for Australia at those Rio games when we won gold in 2016. Mm. Who are now superstars of the NRLW competition and have walked away from from Rugby Sevens, and that's walking away from a full-time contract. So it's yeah. hugely competitive, um, and I'd love to see someone make
1: something of it. So, all right, starting to take off. Hey, also, uh, at the Commonwealth Games, look, you're going to have to give us some backstory on this one, uh, Pete. It, 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 it's like a, a soap opera. A, a, a love Triangle. You've got Kyle Chalmers. You've got Emma McEwen. You've got Cody. What is going on with the Aussie swimming team?
0: Yeah, well, neighbours. I don't know if you heard over the digit, you're probably still waiting on the VHS uh, shipment by boat as well, but uh, the world-renowned soap opera Natives came to an end last week here in Australia, yes, it did. and the Australian swimming team have, have gone, do you know what, we'll fill the void. We've got a bit of a, a love triangle of our own we'll try to try into the mix. So, look, I'll try and be as succinct as, as I possibly can, but yes. um, you've got a situation where Kyle Chalmers, who's um, been one of the, the, the best Australian swimmers, really, of the last seven or eight years, breakthrough uh, Rio Olympics when he, he won gold in the 100 metre freestyle. He won five medals at the last Com Games, another three at the last Olympics. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's a, an elite swimmer and, and formerly in a relationship with uh, with Emma McKeown who, mm. of course, is, is our greatest Olympic swimmer of all time and and that relationship has, has come to an end. And, and she's now in a relationship with another member of the Australian Sim team. Oh boy. He goes by the name of Cody Simpson. Yeah. He is a former pop star who dated Miley Cyrus, amongst others. Oh, dear. Swam in his youth and has given up the glitz and the glamour of life in Hollywood. And he's, he's a genuine pop star. This is not a one-hit wonder from an Australian idol. This is a guy who... <laughs> spent years living in Hollywood and, and performing on the biggest stages and oh, decided to come back and return to his true love of swimming and wanted to compete at the highest level. He's, he's quite remarkable that he's been able to do so after so many years out of the pool. And yeah. there, was, there were some dramas around qualification for the Games. Chalmers decided to swim in uh, some events. He hadn't swum in for a little while and hadn't sw- past he was going to and that was interpreted as he was only swimming in them so Cody Simpson his ex-girlfriend's <laughs> new boyfriend wouldn't qualify this that and the other. Anyway it's all been blowing up and Kyle and Chalmers um, has hit out at media. Um, he's won two goals at, at this com Games already both in relays in the, the 4x100 mix which yeah. is the male and female swimming together. Yeah. Also in the 4x100 there's been Uh, in-depth analysis of of how he's interacted with his former partner Emma McKeown after winning uh, together you know that he didn't engage with her and this that and the other and he's basically said hey you know what I've had enough my mental health is is popping a hammering from this Mm. constant media speculation journalists don't respect athletes you put us through the ringer I'm sick and tired of it I didn't sign up for this part of it and you know I'm, I'm pretty close to wanting to just get out of here it's Look, it's been quite galling to follow from afar, and, and wow. I, I don't, uh, I don't want to downplay, no. you know, a genuine cry for help. I mean, you only have to look across. Um, you know, it, it's a sport that requires so much emotional investment and so much, um, you know, fortitude and strength to to be successful in already. You know, from a, a commitment type of, uh, you know, what you have to do to be an elite swimmer, and, and the hours and what you have to do for your body and getting up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, the, the pursuit of, of success in elite swimming is, is almost unrivaled across most other sports. You know, you'd put it on the same kind of levels as your tennis players and this sort yeah. of thing. And, um, he only has to look across, you know, we've got um, Australian swimming legend Kate Campbell doing the, the pool deck interviews for uh, for the broadcast network over here for the Commonwealth Games and, and she revealed her own mental health battles um, I think four weeks Four weeks before Tokyo, she was diagnosed, and um, you know, this is a woman who seems to be one of the most together with it athletes anywhere in the world. And and she's revealed what a toll the sport played with her. So, look, I, I, I have genuine sympathy for for Kyle Chalmers, and clearly his personal yeah. uh, situation has has you know crept into the space where his his swimming was being critiqued. The other flip side of it is that journalists have got a job to do. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be surprising anyone when I, don't, when I say we don't have a fleet of professional swimming journalists anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, outside the biggest three or four sports in Australia, we have a diminishing number of journalists. Journalists are expected to be increasingly flexible and agile across numerous sports, across niche and boutique sports. Mm. If you're not an AFL, a cricket, a rugby league, Um, or a racing journalist you're pretty much expected to be able to cover any other sport and that's Mm. the reality of it Um, and and look the reality as well is that the Verity scores and and clicks and um, newspaper sales is what keeps these journalists in jobs Um, so they do have a job to do and they do need to keep the public up to date with what's going on this is a newsworthy story and um, I don't know the solution I don't have exactly what the balance is and, and, and where uh, you know, where the story should stop and, and where it should, you know, where it's fair play. But fascinating to watch. Obviously, we hope, um, you know, desperately that Cole Chalmers is okay and that he can go on to continue to perform at such an elite level and, and represent his country with pride. Um,
1: well, yeah. But
0: also that, you know, hopefully there's, there's a degree of, of realization that, that, you know, most journalists are probably. Trying to approach this in as respectful a way as they possibly can, but they also have to do their job.
1: Yeah, and we'll look, we'll keep an eye on it, uh, absolutely, Pete. And look, we're running out of time, we've got about 90 seconds, but I know you want to get into um, the Manly Sea Eagles in the NRL. Can you condense that down for us? What's your thoughts there? Uh,
0: 90 seconds is very tough, but I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to be involved in some apparel design processes before. Um, quite simply, this was a failure by. Play the mm. football club to, to consult enough people along the, jer- you know, the journey. And it was a journey of multiple months. Um, I, I feel incredibly sorry for, for anybody who um, is from the, the LBGQI plus community who, mm. um, who feels unsupported and, and feels let down and, and, and feels alone as a result of what happened. At the same time, I have genuine sympathy for players who um, felt that they were put in a position where they had no choice because of their beliefs but to say they weren't comfortable wearing that jersey, I, I, I just think it's um, you know a really great example of um, protocols and processes not being followed, so avoidable. And, and most importantly, mm. what a shame that this overshadowed women in league round. Yeah. I, I read an article on the weekend that said only in the NRL could a or over a pride jersey be taking place as we're actually meant to be celebrating women in league grounds, And I thought that was really appropriate.
1: You know what? I think that sums it up. Hey, Pete, always a pleasure speaking with you, mate, and uh, enjoy the rest of the com Games, eh?
0: Thanks, mate. Enjoy the Thunderbirds, and uh, we'll see if we can get some copies of MASH and Hogan's Heroes across as
1: well. That would be delicious, mate. Delightful. Send them over on the CEO, brother. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Good okay, day, mate. thanks. There you go, Pete Fairburn. Always a pleasure.